Well, praise the Lord. Haven't you been blessed already? Amen? Thank you for being here this morning. We got a lot of folk out of town, a lot of folk traveling, but we're thankful that you're here this morning. If you would, turn in your copy of the scripture to 2 Chronicles chapter 7. I know that's a familiar passage to so many. Ah, I feel good this morning. I see the only one that didn't read the newsletter is probably Brother Kyle Roadcamp. Uh, this is no tie month for, for uh, Woodland Hills. Now that don't make a lot of, a lot of uh, difference to a lot of folk, but kind of up here it kind of feels good, amen? <laughs> but we'll get staunch again come August and, you know, put our robes on and, and uh, be dignified. But for the month of July, hang on to your hair, amen? Praise God. Second Chronicles chapter 7, Solomon has been given the task to build the temple, and the temple's built, and now they're getting ready to dedicate it. In Second Chronicles chapter 7, beginning in verse 11, would you stand please with your Bible opened to the inerrant, infallible, all-sufficient word? The Bible says, Second Chronicles 7, 11, thus Solomon finished the house of the Lord and the king's house, and all that came into Solomon's heart to make in the house of the Lord and in his own house, he prosperously effected. And the Lord appeared to Solomon by night and said unto him, I've heard thy prayer and have chosen this place to myself for a house of sacrifice. If I shut up heaven and there be no rain, or if I command the locusts to devour the land, or if I send pestilence among my people, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Father, we ask you this morning to speak to our hearts in these next few moments. We're blessed to be a part of the United States of America. We're blessed to be a part of this church. Lord, where you have camped out in this place, and the presence of your Holy Spirit is here. We praise you for that. Ask you, Lord, to whatever, don't let us do anything that would hinder your moving, your Holy Spirit moving in this place today. Have your way and your will in every life. Guide my words that they might honor you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Surely, every person born in America is thankful to be an American. You would think that. You would think that, but that's not necessarily so. I read the story of the old man and old lady who had been over across the ocean and they came back on a ship looking at the Statue of Liberty face to face. And the old man looked at the old lady next to him and he said, uh, she sure is a grand looking woman. And she said, yes. But he said, if you're ever going to see me again, you're going to have to turn around because I ain't leaving this country again. That's kind of the sentiments of, uh, of, of me. I, America was founded upon the Christian faith. I, I find it difficult to understand why people cannot see that. I, I just don't understand that. When you go to Washington, D.C., every building you see has some scripture on it or some semblance of God on it. And yet people act like uh, we just came up like evolution, just out of a rock. Our forefathers left their land to persecution and trials, and they were seeking a free place to worship. The 
pilgrims landed on Plymouth Rock and the first thing they did is they knelt on their knees before God and gave thanks for providing the land that he had given them. The church of Jesus Christ was at the center of every new settlement in America. The Continental Congress was deadlocked and could not uh, make heads or tails of what they needed to do. What does Benjamin Franklin do? He calls everyone to a season of prayer that Almighty God might give them direction. Picture of Moses was on the first currency and money that we have here in America. Now we have the motto, in God we trust, on our money there. The Medo-Persians had a great nation, but they drank their way to doom. Egypt flourished under Joseph, and for 400 years they were blessed, and it was a great country. But because they forgot God and they forgot Joseph, they came crashing down. Greece, under Alexander the Great, conquered the entire world, but Alexander the Great could never conquer himself. He died at 33 years old in a drunken stupor, and Greece came tumbling down. Rome was a proud ruler of the world. Luxury and lust became the center of her world, and she came tumbling down. President Dwight Eisenhower said this, You cannot explain free government in any other terms than religion. Our founding fathers had referred to their creator in order to make their revolutionary experience make sense. It was because all men were endowed by their creator. They wrote their religious faith into our documents step by step. They showed their trust in God on currency and coins, and they put it boldly at the basis of all of our institutions. And when they drew up the Bill of Rights, where did they put the freedom to worship God? Number one. The very top thing, the cornerstone. There's a picture of George Washington and a ragtail army. And uh, they're starving and they're freezing. And they have no sense of direction. It looks like insurmountable odds. So he goes out in the snow, falls on his knees and begins to pray. And God answers prayer. If America forgets her spiritual roots, what's going to happen to America? Bible says in Proverbs 14, 34, righteousness exalted the nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. Arnold Cornby said, of the 22 civilizations that have appeared on the world scene, 19 of them have collapsed when they reached the state that the United States is in now. 19. Alex de Covo visited America and he said, I sought for the greatness and the genius of America in the fields and the vast forest, but it was not there. I sought for it in the free schools and the educational institutions, but it was not there. I sought for it in their constitution and their houses of government, but it was not there. Not until I went to the churches of America and found them aflamed with righteousness did I understand the greatness of America. Folks, I want to tell you, America's great because America's good. And when America ceases to be good, America will cease to be great. You say, well, preacher, there's already some things in America that's not great. I agree with that. But I want to tell you, God's still got a remnant. I want to tell you, look around you this morning. There's still folks that believe the Bible's the inerrant word of God. There's still folks that still believe you're saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. And there's no other way. There's still folks who believe there's only one God, Lord God Jehovah. All of America has not bowed to Baal. There's still a remnant. God's always had a remnant. Three observations about this country quickly here this morning. Number one, America has a great past. 
We've got a great past. I mean, it's tremendous. Solomon was given this task to build this temple, and God promised to be in the midst of the temple, and this great celebration was held here. And I believe Solomon, as he got up in this celebration, was reflecting on what God had done for the people of Israel. Boy, we could reflect God has taken normal, everyday people. Normal. He's blessed us with his manifested presence, with his values in his word, with the presence of the Holy Spirit. America's not perfect. I'm not saying that, but I am saying America is blessed. We're blessed greatly. We're blessed in national resources. There's no other country in the world that could sustain their self other than America. We're feeding half this world right now. And I'm just telling you that some of the reasons we're importing either other foods uh, now is just because of the global economy and we're trying to be a blessing to other countries. I'm telling you, if all the borders were shut down, this country has been blessed. We've got the farms, we've got the equipment, we've got the seeds, we've got the know-how to literally feed our entire nation and have food left over. We've been blessed. We don't have to depend on anyone. We've been blessed with scenic beauty. You go to the east, and there's the Atlantic Ocean. You go to the west, and there's the Pacific. You go to the south, there's the Gulf of Mexico. We've got great rivers in this country, the Ohio River. Wow, what a river. The Mississippi, the Colorado, the Sabine River. Just want to make sure you're awake. <laughs> We've got great Mountain ranges. I think the most beautiful place we've ever been in our entire life was the Grand Tetons. I know there's other beautiful places, but I'm telling you, we were sitting out in that boat relaxing. Oh, my soul. Uh, it, it's just a beautiful place. Miss Mona's up there right now enjoying Yellowstone and all those places there. And, and there's the Rockies, there's the Alleghenies, there's the Smokies. You got the Grand Canyon, you got Yellowstone, Niagara Falls, Redwood Forest. And Caddo Lake with a steamboat. <laughs> I'm telling you, our country's blessed. We've got the national resources. We've got the scenic beauty. You could have been anywhere in this world to live, but God put you in America. And I'll be honest with you, i got some advice for you. If you don't like it, go live somewhere else. Just take on off, big boy. I... I I heard about a lot of people were going to leave this country, and I halfway got excited. I was about to have a spell. <laughs> I don't know of a one of them that's left yet. We also have been blessed because our Republican form of government, and I don't mean Republican like Republican and Democrat, but our Republican form of government. We've got three branches of government. All this can come right out of the Word of God. God's the one that gave our forefathers this. The executive branch, the country to lead our country, the president, the legislative branch that makes the laws, and then the judicial branch. Might I in, insert right here that the Supreme Court was established to interpret laws that whether or not they were constitutional, but they were never established to make laws. And our Supreme Court in the last 40 years has done nothing but make laws, and most of the laws they've made has taken God out of everything. Put God out of the schools, put God out of prayer, put God out of the government, put God out of the city, put God out of your home if you let them. 
Christians in America have faced persecution. Now, not like a lot of people. There are folk that love the Lord this morning who are giving up their physical life because they refuse to renounce Jesus. They're being hung. They're having their heads cut off. They're being crucified. But in America, many Christians have been neglected and laughed at, put at the back of the bus. We're at a pivotal time in our country. We're Christians. We're enjoying freedom, and we can sit in our pews and enjoy life and say nothing, or we can stand up and let the world know that we believe the Bible's the inerrant Word of God, and we're not going to back down. We're not going to quit worshiping God. We're not going to quit saying the Pledge of Allegiance. We're not going to quit waving the flag. We're not... Y'all got me all wired up, see? We... we, we, mm. We've been blessed with free speech. We can speak our minds. Most folk don't need to do that. They ain't got enough to do. But I'm just telling you, you can speak. You got the right to pray in the name of Buddha. You got the right to bow down toward Mecca. You got the right to say there is no God. But listen to me. We also have the right to say, Lord God is Jehovah. I'll never forget when I was invited to the one of the cities, and they said, uh, I want you to pray, but you can't pray in the name of Jesus. I well, there's no need to pray it. I mean, the only reason I pray is in the name of Jesus. There's no reason to pray if you don't pray in the name of Jesus. We've got one mediator between the holy God and, city, and sinners. It's Jesus Christ. That name cannot be removed from our lips because he's in our hearts. We've got a blessing of a free enterprise system. This is a unique system here in America. You can start with nothing and end up tremendously successful. There are millions of Americans. I, I want to tell you, if you ask me what was the greatest uh, problem you had, what was you most scared about, what are you most scared about in America now, I want to tell you it's not electing Hillary Clinton as president. I think everybody pretty well knows her. They know all about her. That's not the deal. You know the thing that blows my mind? Is that there's so many college and younger adults who are saying we would be comfortable with having a socialist as president of the United States. That's what blows my mind. I mean, a socialist is one step away from a communist. A socialist will stifle anything you're trying to do. A socialist literally will take from you who have it and give to somebody else who has nothing. That's one step away. You want to see how socialism works? Go down and visit Venezuela. One of the most oil-rich countries in the world. It's a socialist. Their guy's a socialist. You'll go find grocery stores, but there's no groceries. You'll find pharmacies, but there's no medicine. You'll find people with refrigerators in their home, but there's no food there. That's how socialism works. Sometimes people need to get knocked upside the head. Say, Lord, where did you, who ties your shoes? Huh? This system we've got was inspired by God. A poor man named Thomas Edison invented 1150 things only in america could that happen a poor man now you're going to laugh when i say a poor man but you read the story about him he's poured dirt his name was rockefeller 
But he became rich, and then he began to give his money and all away. Only in America. And then the poor mechanic. I remember when my car, is my mechanic in here today? <laughs> I said, oh, we've got bad things at the water pump. I said, now remember, I'm a poor preacher. He said, I know, I heard you yesterday. <laughs> The poor mechanic, Henry Ford, becomes one of the greatest industrialists in the entire world. And then, I'm telling you, one of the ugliest guys, ugly as dirt, in a cabin in the woods in Illinois, poor, becomes one of the greatest presidents the United States has ever had in Abraham Lincoln. I'm telling you, we're blessed with an enterprise system. No other country has that. No one can even come close to that. I love what Abraham Lincoln wrote. We've forgotten it. No one, I, we really need to send this to Congress, hang it up every, on every door. He wrote a, a pamphlet called The Guidelines to, Main Prosperity, to Maintain Prosperity in Our System. And here's some things he said. He said, number one, you cannot bring about prosperity by discouraging thrift. Number two, you cannot help small men by tearing down big men. Number three, you cannot strengthen the weak by weakening the strong. Number four, you cannot lift the wage earner by pulling down the wage payer. Hmm. You cannot help the poor man by destroying the rich. And then he got nosy. You cannot keep out of trouble by spending more than your income. You cannot further the brotherhood of man by inciting class hatred. You cannot establish security on borrowed money. He wrote every one of these down in 1862. You cannot build character and encourage by taking away man's intuition and independence. And then I love this last one. You cannot help men by doing for them what they could and should do for themselves. Wow. We've also been blessed of religious freedom. You get to worship God in any church you desire. You say, well, I, you know, I can tell you right now, if I get out of this church here, I won't be back. That'd be all right. There are 46,000 Southern Baptist churches across America, and if you don't like them, there's many more independents, and there's BMA, and there's ABA, and Jack BA, and you name it, it's got it. Churches all over. You get to choose what you want to go do. You get to choose where you worship. Roger Williams, who founded Rhode Island, said, Every man should be able to worship God according to his own conscience. Now, everybody comes up today and says, Separation of church and state. Separation of church and state. It's some more ignorance here, folk. Just read it. Read it. It does not mean separation of God and government. It means the government can't tell the church what to do. I, it don't take a three-year-old to figure this out. America's been blessed. We've got a blessed past. But I'd not be true to the Scripture if I didn't also tell you that America has a bleak drought. Verse 13, If I shut up heaven and there be no rain, if I command the locusts to devour the land, if I send pestilence among my people, 
Rain is a symbolic of the doctrine of God. Deuteronomy 32, 2 says this, My doctrine shall drop as the rain, my speech shall distill as the dew, as a small rain upon the tender herb and as the showers upon the grass. You see, we've got a great drought today in America when it comes to doctrine. We've got a great drought when it comes to preaching, when it comes to teaching the Word of God. The prophet Amos, listen to what he said in Amos 8:11. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord God, that I'll send a famine. Now who's going to send it? The Lord God will send it. I'll send a famine in the land, not a famine of bread, nor a thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. And they'll wander from sea to sea and from north to even to the east. And they shall run to and fro to seek the word of the Lord. And it shall not find it. Paul challenged young Timothy, preach the word of God. When it's in season, when everybody's happy with it, preach the word of God. Preach the word of God when it's not in season. If nobody likes it, you still preach the word of God. Not only is there a famine of preaching, but there's a famine of listening to the word of God. We've got a double famine today. People who preach the word of God, preachers desiring to get a crowd. We've got to up our numbers and things have got to grow. So we've dumbed down doctrine. We don't dare say we're having doctrine because that turns everybody off. We've dumbed down discipleship because we want to make it so easy. We've been deceived into thinking that if we play nice with the world, they'll like us and we'll be able to win them to Jesus. I got some news for you. The only problem with that is the gospel is offensive. The gospel offends the dignity of humanity. The gospel offends it. At the very center of the gospel is a blood-stained cross. And that offends pride. That offends dignity. That offends humanity. And the only way a person can get saved is to get offended because they're sinners condemned to a devil's hell. And Jesus died on the cross to pay their debt. they got to get offended before they can get saved. I'm going to tell you something this morning. Willing Hills, we're not here to compromise. God has called us to call people out of darkness into light. Some would say what we need is better politicians with charisma. I will tell you right now, we've got the best politicians money can buy in America. What I think we need is a whole new generation of preachers. I'm talking about from me all the way on down. Who will stand in the pulpit with an open Bible. Not chained to a bread box. Not worried about a salary. Not worried if somebody's going to run them off. Not afraid of the critics of a dead church who wouldn't know God if they got hemmed up with him in a phone booth. And got knocked in the head by an old-fashioned rotary phone. But men who would stand up and say, thus saith the word of God and preach the Bible without compromise, no matter what happens. It's what America needs today. Famine for preaching, but there's also a famine for listening. A lot of folk can't take much preaching. About 15 minutes, and man, you can see them begin to kind of, whoo, let's, let's get out of here. I was uh, visiting a church here I mean, you know, we're talking 48 minutes from the time it started to the time it was over with. That's it. That's it. We've got to get them in, get them out. Get them in, get them out. We've got folk who get offended at the announcements, let alone preaching the Word of God. I can't believe he said that. I think he was rude. He was talking to me. 
We need some big girl and big boy Christians who will stand up and say, listen, bring it on. I can take it. I want somebody to shuck the corn, shell the peas, put the pedal to the metal. Don't tell me what I want to hear. Tell me what I need to hear from the Word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And then there are locust plagues. Joel talks about that in his book. Uh, The big plague we've got in this country is the plague of political correctness. My soul have mercy. In 1925, the ACLU was established, and they made a statement, the First Amendment could be used to impose a liberal agenda. In 1935, the ACLU said, our goal is communism. And I want to tell you, you can say whatever you want to, the ACLU is still around, and they've got a right to be around. But I'll tell you, we Christians ought to be ashamed of ourselves for financially supporting things like that that's going contrary to the Word of God and to the very gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. You want to give your money where it can count? You give it in missions. You give it in, let me tell you, Southern Baptists are feeding people all over this world. When there's a disaster, you'll find the Southern Baptist Disaster Relief Group right there first on the spot. They're there before anybody else. Nobody makes a half million dollars. Well, they do in the Southern Baptist, but not in the disaster relief. (laughs) You wouldn't want to know what our guys make. I can tell you this, if, if we ran this church like the Southern Baptist Convention runs it, you'd run me off. But the first one of you came in, I want to know what the preacher's salary is. And we said, well, the preacher's the only one sets his salary and nobody knows what it is. Well, hello. I wouldn't mind working at a place like that. <laughs> Good great. Now y'all done got me off of, off of my topic again. We, we, listen, we, we should get stirred up when they're taking the Ten Commandments down. I'm all for that. But bless God, don't you think we ought to be living the Ten Commandments and just getting riled up when they're taking them down? I mean, don't you think we ought to have a, a, a church where fornication doesn't abound and where adultery's not happening on every hand and we don't take the name of God in vain and not coveting and not bearing false witness? See, if we're not careful, our lips will say more than what our heart will back up. Pestilence. We don't feel free. We don't feel free anymore. Scared to go outside. Alarm system set. Everything's ready. (laughs) It's a a crazy world we live in. I'll tell you how bright, you know how bright Americans are? Some of y'all remember this in the 60s. We were all scared to death of communism. Bless God, we we had bomb threats in Corrigan. I mean, we had bomb, uh, 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 well, no, uh, exercises in case somebody dropped a hydrogen bomb. You know what we did? You remember what we did? Get under your table, children. (laughs) Hello. Now, is that going to stop a hydrogen bomb? Everybody under your desk, we're having a bomb raid. I'm thinking, you know, as a little boy, I thought, well, this don't make sense. Let's get out of here. We don't have those problems today. 
Our problem today is Islamic terrorism, extremism. That people will strap on a, a bomb and walk into a congregation or walk into a mall or an airplane or a train station and blow themselves up. Why would they do that? You say, that's crazy. It's not political, people. It's theological. They've been told that the only way they can get to paradise is to die in a jihad. So they're going to blow their self up. I got, if one of you are here today and you're one of them people, let me give you some good news. You don't have to blow yourself up. Jesus has already died on the cross for you. You can walk right into paradise like the thief on the cross because of what Christ has already done. Wow. Fanaticism is theologically driven. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Let me give you this last thing and I'm through. I'm supposed to be in Nederland at 3 o'clock. I know it's going to be tough. Y'all are going to have to pray for me, all right? <laughs> America has been blessed, but America's got a drought. But I want to tell you the, three th the third thing. I'm an optimist. You know, I'm like that old boy that fell off that top story that 25 story building they heard him on the 13th floor saying so far so good <laughs> i'm an optimist amen <laughs> i believe america's got a bright future i believe we can still come to a point of revival in america god says when there are problems if i shut up heaven and there's no rain and the locusts devour the land and the pestilence among your people if there's a problem there listen to me i've got a solution here's the solution if god's people by my name shall humble themselves pray seek my face turn from their wicked ways then i'll hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land See, it's not going to begin in Congress. <laughs> I don't care how much money you give them dudes. It's not going to start there. It's not going to start in the White House. It's not going to start in the governor's house. It's not going to start in the schoolhouse. It's going to start with the people of God. Why? Because the people of God are distinct. They're different from any other people. They're raised by the Holy Spirit. Solomon had this temple that God dwells in, but now our temple is the spirit of the Holy, Holy Spirit. Our temple, our body, it's a temple of the Holy Spirit. I think God's looking for one man, maybe one woman, one person. In the mid-1800s, there was a great revival that spread all over, and people decided they'd track it down. They traced it back to a businessman in New York City who had decided that he wanted revival in America so bad that he would give up half his lunch hour and just pray for revival. Half his lunch hour. Let me ask you something. Would you be that person today? I mean, folks, we're living in a Laodicean time. We're not hot, we're not cold. We just come have a good time, then we go home. We show up, we don't think about God a lot. If we get in a crack, we do. Many of us in this place this morning, we'd have to admit we've lost our first love. We'll have an invitation in a minute. If somebody gets saved, that'll be great. If they don't, that'll be all right too. Let's just hurry up and get out of here so we can get, get on with lunch. Folk, I want to tell you, today's not the day for Mamby Pamby 
watered-down, half-hearted Christianity. These days that we're living in now call for a red-hot, full-throttle, whole-hearted Christianity. I tell you, I got to thinking, I want to be so red-hot. You know the cold water committee, they exist in every church. They're always there. I want to be so hot when that cold water committee comes and dumps on me that that thing's going to turn to steam and scald them and scare the devil out of them. That's how hot I want to be. I mean, does anybody else here want to be that hot? That you just want to be so sold out, you want to be so committed, you want to be so consecrated, you don't care what happens. <laughs> You're going to love God. He said, if you'll humble yourself, it's not us, Lord, it's you. Then he said, pray and seek my face. Elijah stood on that mountain, 450 false prophets. They were mocking him. The children of Israel had compromised. They were hiding in the bushes until God sent fire down from heaven. <laughs> I better not say that and we'll get in trouble. Yeah, I just tell you, I never will forget when we built this building. One dear family, they're not here anymore, but they fought everything that we tried to do. I came in one day in the foyer, and they were showing some visitors around. I mean, they hadn't given a dime. They'd fought everything. But they were showing what all that we've done. And I thought, you? You've been hiding in the bushes. Huh? I mean, th 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 this is a time that we need to get ready for the Lord to come back. We need to be doing everything we can. We need to be giving every dime we've got. We need to be giving all of our energy just to reach people for Jesus. Let me tell you, here's the deal. When this thing settles, if you've not made your preparation, you're going to go to hell. I don't care how many flags you salute. I don't care how many times you sing God bless America. It's not your salvation through a country. It's through the Lord. He stood there on that mountain, 450 false prophets, and God answered him. 120 people in an upper room prayed, and 3,000 got saved. All through the Bible, you see instances like that. True story about a farm boy skinned his knee, and that's nothing unusual for a farm boy to skin his knee. But fever set in. Infection set in. The next day, they called the doctor. By the time the doctor got there, he said, uh, told the family, he said, I'm not sure, I think we can save his life, but he's going to lose that leg. We're going to have to cut the leg off to save his life. And when the doctor left, he looked over at his younger brother, Ed, and he said, Ed, make me a promise. Don't let them cut my leg off. Don't do it. Ed closed the door, locked himself in the bedroom there with his brother, and began a prayer vigil. His parents came up to get him for supper, and Ed said, I can't come down. We're having a prayer vigil for my brother. Family said, open the door. We want to get in on it too. Mama and daddy began to pray day and night. On the fourth day, the doctor showed back up. He, he couldn't believe it. He said, it's a miracle. Not only are we not going, he's not going to 
not live, we're not going to have to amputate his leg. It's all healed. It is just, it is perfect. That young boy was named Dwight Eisenhower. Went on to lead the armies of America to defeat Nazi Germany in World War II and then become a president of the United States. Jeremiah said, Call unto me, and I'll answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. I mean, could, could we find a student that would say, I want to call on God. I'm not letting up. Maybe a mom, maybe a dad, maybe a grandfather. Pray, seek my face. Then he said, repent. Turn from their wicked ways. We'd get on our knees and say, cleanse me, O God. Stir me, change me. We'll sing in just a few moments. God bless America, I think we are. I love the verse to that. Most folk don't know the verse. While the storm clouds gather far across the sea, let us swear allegiance to a land that's free. Let us all be grateful for a land so fair as we raise our voices in a solemn prayer. God bless America. You really love this country? You really love your family? You really love the Lord Jesus Christ? 1942, I think it was March the 11th, Douglas MacArthur had been a great war soldier during World War II. He retired about 1937. He went over to the Philippines and became part of their security and, and government administration. He signed back up during World War II, and on March the 11th, he had to bail out. The President Roosevelt ordered him to leave because the Japanese were taking over the island. And he said, you leave. In fact, Roosevelt sent a submarine for him and said, you get on the submarine. MacArthur wouldn't do it. He got on a PT boat and went through the Japanese Navy. Ended up in Australia. But he sold something when he left. He said, I, I shall return. And it was in 1944 when MacArthur came back. And he landed on that beach in the Philippines and he waded across that shore and he said this, I have returned. <laughs> I like that. I like that. Could I tell you that thousands of years ago, the Son of God in flesh and deity left this earth. He came, was born, died on a cross, put in a borrowed tomb, rose again the third day, came back, was here on earth 40 days, and then he ascended into heaven. And you remember what the angel said? Why are you folk gazing up at this sight? This same Jesus that you've seen is going to come back. And not only is he going to come back, He's already prepared a place for us to go when he does come back. I told our bunch uh, in vacation Bible school, this is the first house we've ever moved in that was complete. My wife put her foot down. You ever seen a woman throw a wall-eyed fit? <laughs> she threw a wall-eyed fit. Because all our entire married life, We'd move into a house, and I'd say, baby, if we just move in that house and get the bedroom ready and the bathroom, then I could, you know, work on that house while we're living in that house. 
And we did that probably in about six houses. And when we got ready to build it, she said, I am not moving one thing until everything's finished. Can you imagine what it's going to be like getting into heaven? Listen, I don't care how picky some of you old women are. You're not going to have to walk into heaven. I'd rather have a blue room instead of a yellow room. It's going to be perfect. It's going to be perfect. Everything God's got is prepared for us. But now listen, it is only prepared for the people who are prepared. And you prepare on this earth to decide where you're going to spend eternity for all your life, forever. you got a choice today. I'm asking you to come to Jesus. Some of you have never been to Jesus. You've never trusted him. And I'm going to ask you today to do that. Some of you know the Lord, but you've just kind of gotten cold. You've kind of gotten warm or, or cold, or you just kind of lost interest. I'm going to ask you to search your heart. Come back to Jesus. Father, thank you today for the joy to be able to be in this house, the, the freedom we enjoy to be able to worship you and to praise you and to, Lord, just... Mm, Feast on the riches that you have blessed us with. We thank you for that. Now, Lord, I ask you this morning, there are those that need to make decisions. You know every one of them. You know who they are. Lord, I just ask your Holy Spirit to have freedom to move in the lives of these dear people today. God, don't let them walk out of here the same way they walked in. Have your way in their hearts is our prayer in Jesus' holy name right now. Would you stand together? Brother Aaron leads us. You come right now. Come on.